Welcome to Teach Musically, the Studio Music Teacher's Guide to Business and Pedagogy Resources. My name is Michelle. And I'm Leanne. Today's podcast is all about music exams. For the last year, I've had the pleasure of working as an examiner with the Royal Conservatory of Music doing remote exams. It's been a great experience and has given me insight into their philosophy. If you're a Canadian and a private music teacher, you've probably had some experience with RCM exams in your youth and training. Definitely. I had my share of exams as a young student. As a shy but ambitious child, I appreciated having the chance to test my abilities despite how nervous I was for the exams. As a teacher, many of my students also take the exams, whether it's for motivation, a challenge, or for a mark of achievement. Today, I'm going to share some things I've learned about RCM exams during my training and during my time working as an examiner. This will give you and your students some insight into the system. All right, let's start off with this. How much can an examiner really learn about a candidate from one exam? Is the mark you receive a true reflection of the candidate's skill? I think exams are a great tool to motivate students and to give them a goal to work towards. At the same time, it is really important to educate our students and their parents that the mark that a student receives on their exam is not the be-all, end-all. In fact, on the RCM website, they even describe the exam process as a snapshot of a student's progress. Yes, it's an important distinction because the stressful part about exams is that the candidate only has one chance. Every musician has had that experience where they play flawlessly at home and then had a memory lapse during an exam or performance. This is such a universal experience, so we should definitely make sure our students are prepared to deal with this. Exactly. It's more like about the journey than the destination. Preparing for an exam cultivates the focus, discipline, and motivation. At the end of the journey, while the mark is important, it's not everything. As examiners, we grade what we hear in that one moment, but we know that we can't assess you as a complete musician in such a short time. Absolutely. As teachers, we need to keep this in mind as we prepare our students for exams. Are we preparing them to receive the highest possible mark, or are we preparing them to be a well-rounded musician? That's a great point. I think some teachers can get a little bit caught up in the grades, and they will have their students focus on the same three pieces for six months or longer, polishing and perfecting them for an exam. In reality, I think it would be a lot more beneficial for their students to study a wide range of repertoire from the syllabus, and then pick their favorites to polish for the exam. Can you tell me about your training to become an examiner? What are some things that may surprise us? One thing that was highly emphasized during my training was cultivating a good candidate experience. We do not want our candidates to feel scared, nervous, or intimidated by us. It is our goal to make them feel comfortable, at ease, and to make the exam experience a positive one. We are there to help the candidate through the exam as best we can. When you're preparing your student for an exam, make sure that they know this. They should feel comfortable to ask us for help or to let us know if they don't understand any of the instructions we've given. That's good to know. It's also important to mention that the importance of the teacher's responsibility in preparing students for exams. We need to make sure we're reading the syllabus carefully so that our students are prepared for the exact requirements. Yes, that's a great point. Unfortunately, I've had experiences where candidates were not prepared for parts of the ear training or the scales. It's really disheartening because it's not their fault that they didn't know the exact requirements. Teachers should ensure they're preparing students properly. Consult the syllabus so you know the exact requirements. Let's talk a little bit about grading. How do examiners grade each element of the test? And since music is subjective, how can the RCM create a national standard? 
Well, of course, with something like ear tests, intervals, or clapbacks, those are not as subjective because they're essentially either right or wrong. When it comes to repertoire, that is where things get a little bit more tricky. The first thing that we consider when assigning a mark to a repertoire piece is a candidate's grade level. The expectations we have for candidates are different based on their grade. For example, a 90% at level 1 will look a lot different than a 90% at level 8. Ah, that makes sense. So at the lower levels, you're expecting things like accurate rhythms, dynamics, and some basic musical ideas forming. That would get a candidate a high grade, whereas in the higher levels, these elements would be considered as sort of the bare minimum. Yes, exactly. By level 8, we're expecting much more in-depth musicality, stylistic awareness, phrasing, and technical command. What are some other things you look for? Something that I found very useful in our training was using our written report to guide the grade that we give. For example, if I would describe a performance as spectacular, flawless, or artistic, those words are describing a grade of 90 and up. If I'm using words like good, fair, mostly, or developing, that might lead me towards a grade in the low 70s. So when you're grading a piece, you're grading an overall impression as opposed to deducting marks for small details. Is that right? Yes, that's exactly right. A lot of my students ask me, will they take off a mark if I make a mistake? That's not at all how it works. Let's compare two performances. The first one is played with no mistakes. However, the dynamics are not observed and the character is not well defined. The second performance has a few slips and stumbles along the way but the dynamics are well done and the candidate shows a good understanding of the musical style. Based on an overall impression, these performances may receive a similar mark or I may even grade the second one a little bit higher. Does the same apply for grading technique? Yes, we're grading an overall impression. Do you know all of the keys, the scales, the chords? Can you play them with quick recall? Are they fluent? We do not give one point per element. One of the biggest changes we've seen is the shift from in-person to remote exams during the pandemic. How similar is the remote exam to the in-person exam? Are there any big differences that you've noticed? The exams are structured and marked in almost the exact same way. The only difference is the sight reading, which I'm sure you've experienced. Since we cannot give a candidate sight reading during the exam, we send out a sight reading example 24 hours in advance for them to print off at home. So then it's not truly sight reading if they have 24 hours to prepare. How do you adjust your marking scheme? Exactly. We grade it as more of a quick study. For a perfect mark, you would have to play flawlessly, up to tempo, if there is a tempo marked, and with all the details in the score. In the lower levels, there are no dynamic marks or articulation, but in the higher levels, there are. So if the candidate wants to score a 7 out of 7, they must observe and execute all of those elements. How do you deal with the shortcoming of technology? Obviously, we can't hear the exact same way as we would in an in-person exam. That is true. Luckily, most candidates have a good quality device and a strong internet connection, which gives a pretty good sound quality. However, that's not always the case, and sometimes we have to deal with a spottier connection. We do the best that we can, and we take into account that Zoom cannot always capture each detail of the music. Yes, that's true for something like dynamics. Do you expect the same level of detail as in an in-person exam? When it comes to dynamics, we understand that they may not be captured clearly over Zoom. We will commend a candidate when their dynamics are great, but we will not deduct marks from a candidate if their dynamics are not broad enough because we know it could be a result of the technology. 
Do you think there are any strong benefits in doing a remote exam over an in-person exam? I think there's definitely a few benefits. Firstly, the candidates can play in their own home on their own instrument. This is a big advantage and can really help ease nerves. That's true. For pianists, this is a big advantage as it is tricky adjusting to a new instrument in a new space. You can feel really disoriented. Yes, another advantage is that remote exams are offered year-round. So if your student is ready to take the exam in February or July, times when in-person exams are not offered, they can go ahead and get it done. No need to wait till the next exam period or rush to complete the exam before they're ready. These are all very helpful tips and things to consider. Next week, we'll be continuing our conversation about exams. We'll be talking in detail about how to best prepare your student for exams. That's right. Be sure to tune in. We hope you found this podcast helpful. Please describe your exam experience as a student or teacher in the comments below. We'd love to hear your experiences. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe for more great podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at teachmusically.com. Until next time, happy teaching!